Welcome, Christopher. Guess what I have? Oh, that's a that's a nice looking book you have there. It is. It's gorgeous. <laughs> I love that. I got one of the signed one ones. Do you? <laughs> wait, wait. I didn't get. I didn't go to the signature page. I like it. I got one of the signed copies. Thank you. Very cool. So we always start with talking about art, and you are a creature artist um you are a monster artist yes tell me how did you find this niche how did you become a creature artist uh well i mean i'll from uh 1977 onward i was fascinated with monsters and creatures i was three years old when i saw the movie star wars and the cantina scene and it kind of just changed everything that I thought about, and I was huge into Godzilla, and when Dungeons and Dragons came along, I first discovered the miniatures with all these monsters, and I, I didn't want to play the game. I just wanted to get the monster manuals and just read about these monsters. And Did you that, paint them? Uh, some, some, but mostly I, I made my own. I made my own miniatures out of clay, and then I drew those and wrote stories about those. Um, but as the years went on, I just focused on doing monsters because I, I didn't like to draw people. I had no interest in drawing people. It just, it bored me to tears. I liked to create and do weird monsters. And that continued all the way through college. And I built monster suits and I did continue drawing, painting and doing printmaking with monsters. And that led to a job. I left, uh, left college graduated and immediately moved to Los Angeles and started working in the film industry, uh, designing, doing concept designs for TV movies. Uh, we did some music videos, did commercials. We did a ton of stuff. And I did that for a number of years until I kind of got burned out with LA. Uh, but before I left, I started making contacts in the gaming, tabletop gaming industry. And I made the transition when I left LA to start doing stuff in the gaming industry. And that's been this will, uh, in June, will be 16 years of working in the tabletop gaming industry. And uh, before any of that started, I, when I was still in college, I started building my own world and kind of began telling some stories. And uh, through the experience that I gained working professionally and just loving my life and doing my thing, the story slowly came together over about 20 years. And uh, the first book of it uh, now exists. This is a phenomenally deep book. I mean, this is an epic world. I was reading some, I love the character um, synopsises, would you yeah. call them? I'm not quite sure what to call them. I mean, I've got some tabs here, like <laughs> this one says, coolest bong ever. <laughs> Page 192. Oh, yes. I don't know the, if it's really a bong, but it's no, awesome. It's just the, it's just the pipe. <laughs> Uh, it's because so cool. uh, it's like an elephant and it's Indian and it's and it's foreign and it's alien. It's, it's just so cool. Yeah, the uh, thrice have uh, certain characteristics to their uh, physiology that allows others to become intoxicated to varying degrees upon uh, depending on what part of their bodies you consume. So, <laughs> so they're a delicacy. Uh, they can be. They're also illegal in some place. <laughs> so this has been 20 years in the making? 
Uh, th for the, the, the idea is 21 years in the making. Um, I, uh, uh, so, um, I first started envisioning it in, uh, 1998. So mm -hmm. I guess it's going to be 23 years soon, but, um, so I, I, I created the first character, Ethra Vandalia, which is the main protagonist, the main voice of the book. Uh, I designed and created them in school and it was just kind of this weird dragony monster thing within its workshop and i this, this there was something there it was you know the story began and um i never never could get rid of the idea and it just kind of lingered with me and about 10 years after uh school oh actually oh gosh it's oh it's been yeah Did you i go think to it was art school I, I went to Florida, uh, <laughs> I went to FSU, Florida State University, and I got a fine arts degree. So I have a bachelor's in fine arts and cool. I had to fight tooth and nail every day to, uh, to make sure I was uh, treated uh, the same as the fine arts uh, students because they didn't think monsters were art. And I had, it was, a, it was an ongoing battle of trying to prove myself as a, yeah. a student and as an artist. And, uh, that's a yeah. whole nother story for another day. No, no, I get it. <laughs> there is this debate. I mean, I could totally sit and talk with you over a glass of wine about, you know, art for art's sake versus commercialized art and commoditized art and product design. But really, this podcast is about how do you make a living in the arts regardless of what medium, yeah. what substrate, what genre, what niche you inhabit? Because we want to find those common threads. I want to find those themes, the secrets, if you will, of how do you make a living as an artist, whether you do an abstract expressionist painting, whether you're a monster developer, creature creator, or we just had John Paul Caponegro on. Mm. Um, I spoke with Maggie Taylor yesterday. And, you know, she's kind of, do you know the name? Yeah, I know the name, yeah. Oh, and so, I mean, all these different genres, they have common things, things in common. And so I think there shouldn't be elitism between the different fields is what I'm saying. They shouldn't be, but <laughs> I know, I know, but there is. Yeah. So can I read this one little thing? Cause I think it's awesome. Sure. You have a little section here. It says the minds of mathematicians and artists are both warped and deviant. I have toured some of the studios and laboratories of the so-called greats in the fields of art and mathematics. And I have found them wanting. In each, I have discovered rotting piles of unspeakable filth on the floor or even work tables. It is as if it is not even there to these sad individuals. I am no artist, and my head was never meant for mathematics. But how they can work with that stench and that ghastly sight, I do not know. If that is the price for creative genius, then they can keep it to themselves. <laughs> I love it, but I just love the first line. The minds of mathematicians and artists are both warped and deviant. <laughs> that is Argus the skeptic. He has he has something to say about everything. I love it. I love his voice, his narrative throughout this. Mm -hmm. um, so you, this just wouldn't go away. And this is such a magnificent work, but it's big. I mean, yeah. the drawings and the story, you're both a writer and an artist. I, I I realized that. I mean, I I had um, I had uh, teachers in high school that 
would compliment my writing and they would say, you know, you're a, you're a gifted writer, but a, uh, an abysmal speller because I struggled with uh, dyslexia and I uh, have a certain amount of, you know, reading phobia that I had from, from school and stuff. So I was always telling stories and I always had a million stories to go along with everything that I was drawing. And, um, and I've kind of written behind the scenes for years now. And it was kind of when I decided um, to start putting the book together, which was about five years ago, um, I realized that more and more that it was going to be a, a work of a work of words with uh, images to help, you know, make sure that everything is visualized correctly and that the stories I wanted to tell needed to be told with words and not images. So how do you put together a book of this magnitude of such images and words? Let's talk about your process for just a minute, because I love to pick the brains of artists on on something like this. Um, many moons ago when I um, uh, was part of the illustration masterclass that Rebecca Gay runs every summer, um, they had a guest artist and writer. And uh, unfortunately for the life of me, I'm blanking on their name, but uh, one of the best pieces of advice that I ever got was that making a book is impossible. It just can't be done, but you can do a drawing and you can write an outline and you can write a couple paragraphs and then you can write another drawing or you can, you can draw another drawing or you can do a painting and then you can maybe write a chapter or two and then you can draw a map and then you can work on your outline and do some editing. And that was the approach that I took, you know, it's, you can't, you can't sit down and um, make a book. It's just impossible. And like, you just can't sit down and make a painting. It takes steps. There's steps and iterations and they, they grow. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a series of steps. And so um, I set up a really big work board uh, in our house and I determined all of the entries that I needed to do. I knew there was going to be 30 entries. So I put up placeholders for all of the art uh, and 